Top Fives, the show of everything. Top Fives, presented by the Sex Effects. I'm Joey Parati. And I'm Sean Day. And folks, we have just, um, we, we have, we're going to take you back to our childhood. We are going to uh, do some dun 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 <laughs> Before we get to all of that, you can tell I'm very excited. Uh, Seanathan, how are you doing, my friend? Well, I, uh, Game of Thrones cannot be avoided, so no. <laughs> this, uh, it is here, finally, the, uh, the last season, but, uh, yeah. Winter has come. Winter has come, and I'm feeling jazzed from just the season premiere and just Game of Thrones. I've been binging the whole series. Um, did you, did you make it to the I, end? I made it, and I actually purposely, uh, waited for the, I guess it's the seventh episode of the seventh season. And I, I wanted to watch that kind of going into the uh, the new season, um, but yeah, overall, dude, I'm I'm feeling pretty jazzed. It's April. I mean, your birthday just passed, and like my birthday's and your birthday's just coming up. So it's like it's such an eventful month, and um, yeah, super stoked for for the for what's to come, and yeah, Game of Thrones on my mind as as per usual. So um, same, Joe. How are you doing this week, man? I'm doing well, my friend. Um, Let's see. This is this is the, my first time on microphone uh, in my 30s. So let's see if it's lamer yeah, or not. I don't know. It might be. It might be. <laughs> uh, my uncle Mike turned uh, 70 um, on the day after me on the 11th, and I was in the city this weekend celebrating him. So shout out, um, Mike. Very yeah, very excited. Um, and then um, yeah, man, just got to spend some quality family time and 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 all that. Uh, my folks came down, my, and my brother came down for my birthday, which I really appreciated, and uh, had a nice home-cooked meal. There we go. And, uh, yeah, so it's been, it's, it has not been bad. Yeah, um, awesome, dude. Yeah, I could find things to complain about if you want me to. You know. <laughs> they're, in my, they're in my place doing some renovation work, didn't put my furniture back. Uh. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's, I could be angry, <laughs> but I'm going to choose to not. Nice, nice. I'm going to be very excited that it's just you and me on the microphones, um, as it should be, Shawnee. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> any any news or anything? Um, oh, actually, yes. We have a huge... Um, Star Wars... The uh, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, dude. Okay. S- Star Wars Celebration, right? Was the Star Wars Celebration. What did you weekend? think of this trailer? Uh, man... Uh, it was interesting. I, you know, of course, they're. Um, this is the third installment of this kind of new Star Wars series. So, of course, this is kind of the, I would say, the conclusion. I would, I feel, with uh, yeah. some of those characters. But I don't know, man. The title, "The Rise of Skywalker," and kind of what that implies. Um, I'm sure there's many. You know, with the title, there's a, there's a, so many other interpretations of what it could mean. But somehow I feel like it does kind of reflect in, once you see the movie, like a certain topic that happens. Because on the board right now, there's only two Skywalkers, and really only one true Skywalker left alive on the board in the world of Star Wars. You've got Leia, Leia. um, who's a true Skywalker, but then you've got Ben Solo, who is a Skywalker by blood, even though he carries the last name Solo, sometimes Ren. His name is Kylo, Kylo Ren. I I thought it was Kilo. Kilo, Kilo, Kilo Ring. Kind of like, kind of like Kilo. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a rapper name. <laughs> yeah, I'm Kilo Ring. Keeping it real. Keeping um, it real, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but it could, it could mean, you know, it could mean that JJ's going to retcon and make 
Ray a Skywalker, which would be no thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm um, hoping that doesn't go that way. Um, but how badass was it? Her staring down the Tie Fighter. Oh, that was cool, man. That I, was so I, fucking cool. That that was a a great scene, and um, yeah, I mean we're in the third installment of this series, so yeah, they you know, I don't want to compare, but like just like um. Return of the Jedi, you know, as far as Luke Skywalker being kind of at the height of his abilities, I feel like Rey will kind of be there um, as, as she kind of does her final showdown, I guess, with Kylo Ren um, yeah. in the film. And then I guess the ending um, with the voiceover alluding that Palpatine is back. Yeah, you heard Palpatine's laughter. There was a great edit, Seth Rogen retweeted he's like i'm honored to be a part of this and, uh, <laughs> and it's the, they, they overdubbed the emperor's laughter <laughs> yeah. oh that's that's, all, that's so awesome yeah. I, I wonder if they because I, I wonder if they got the same because uh, they had the the guy from the prequels yeah, right ian mcdormand so uh, was that his vo- uh that's him was that and him? He, came, he came out on stage and everything oh shit and it was oh, like yeah, replay of the trailer <laughs> from Star Wars uh, Celebration, right? So yeah, yeah, that's crazy, dude. I mean, which I don't care for the idea of the the Emperor. Con- I hope he's not actually back. I really hope that he's that yeah he's alive somehow. That which would just fucking negate Return of the Jedi. But that's you know, yeah. I mean, I'm on the same kind of train as far as like, oh, man. I mean, I I want Star Wars to go outside of the Skywalker. I guess the yeah, the Skywalker family line, or I just explore some other stories, and I feel like that kind of wild card in there. It's like even if he is alive, I guess, or or whatnot, and it could not be, or just maybe just remnants of him. But like, yeah, that kind of still. At the same time, it's like okay, they can round this off as like this, you know, let's just say collection of films with the Skywalkers in them. Like this yeah. could be the final kind of. Well, they're saying this is the final one of this is not only the end to this trilogy, it's the end to the nine films so far. Oh, wow. Or the numbered films. Wow. So after this, apparently, according to Disney, they're going to put the the franchise on ice for a little bit. Like we'll still get the TV shows, but it's going to be a little bit before we get another movie. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. I mean, I I feel like kind of like similar to the Marvel films. It's just like there's just so many that are coming out and. And I don't know. I just feel like with the they have so much source material and so much to go off of that I, I think it 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 is what it should it should be uh, given its time and, ta- and taking its time to kind of come yeah. up with those stories and and see where they can push the Star Wars you know kind of franchise from here. Well, and but, that serialized story style of storytelling is better suited for TV, just naturally. You know, yeah. give us the one-off film. Give us Joker. Give us Rogue One. Give us that kind of shit. Pour your resources into that. Give us a movie. Give us an experience. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't need to fucking come back to it. At time. You know, like, give us, give us that on Disney+. Plus. Which, by the way, seven bucks a month? That's that much is, cheaper than I thought Disney would go. Yeah, I was surprised by that, too. And, um... You know, I think that's how they're going to obviously get a bunch of people to sign up, and you know the the exclusive content as far as the Marvel Disney and the Star Wars and and you know access to all their you know libraries. You know, it's a it's a good deal, and yeah. I'm I'm probably going to sign up for that. So it's like, um, you know, just being able to have access to that is is quite incredible. Um, but yeah, for for as far as Star Wars um, continuing forward, I, I think I it, uh, isn't. Um, the the two writers from 
uh, Game of Thrones. Aren't they developing a show? They are. Uh, Weiss and... Uh, Bet, uh, I can't say his last uh, Ben Benin? Oh, Benioff. Thank you. Be- Benioff. Benny- yeah, yeah, Benioff. Um, so that, yeah. that kind of strikes my curiosity. And, you know, I mean, these are the, the two dudes who are, you know, part of writing Game of Thrones, the series, and, of course, concluding it this year. So it's... Uh, who knows what you know? What they, as far as I've enjoyed the style of writing and and the way they've developed characters in Game of Thrones, if they can apply that, you know, I don't know how violent and bloody it will be. <laughs> God, or could you imagine? I mean, could you I would imagine a, a take uh, like that, where it's just like, think about it, like, think about like the Force and all that shit off in the margins, kind of like the dragons and stuff. You don't really see that the first season. You just yeah. get gritty fucking re- real world takes on, you know, pick a planet, pick several planets. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. show us just Ooh, that's a good the, the lifestyle of those. I mean, it's Game of Thrones, right? You just, yeah. instead of, instead of kingdoms, they're planets. Um, and you yeah. show us like the real world and make the force like a mystical thing. That's like the original trilogy. No one really believed in the force. No one really yeah. thought about it. Or if, knew what it what the outs, what it was in exactly right. yeah make it that kind of thing, um, and I think you could really fucking do some cool shit, and then slowly introduce those different elements in a logical way that makes sense to the story and to the characters that you're dealing with. Oh my god, could you imagine? That, I would so, watch the shit out of that shit. Heck yeah! And, yeah. and my my curiosity now is like, was that choice for choosing them and having them be on that? you know, sign up for developing a show is because, I mean, obviously they're, you know, they wrote the, I mean, one of the biggest shows I think on television right now, but I'd say the biggest show in history. Yeah. yeah fucking, it's going to really definitely go it's down impact and all that. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. you know, I think you're totally right, dude. And, and being able to take that, um, you know, obviously the, the, the skill set that they have and, and the way they can tie a bunch of different characters together and uh, that idea you, you just said is, is I mean, it, it makes sense for for like what they can do with Star Wars. And but the, yeah, the, uh, all those aspects of the kind of mystery of Star Wars. And I always feel like that's always something that, you know, with a lot of these films coming out and, you know, we're so used to what the force is and what the Jedi are and what, you know, um, almost kind of pulling back the curtains and kind of backtracking a little bit as far as like. You know the the Force and the Jedi's. It used to be this kind of mystery too. Yeah, it used to be kind of a um, stories you know passed on and, and whatnot. So like if they can bring if they can bring that into a television show, that I, I, I I'll totally watch that. So yeah, I'm, I'm I am excited to see what they do with Star Wars. And um, you know I was a little kind of torn uh, and a little kind of over like the fandom a little bit. And I know there's just a small it's... corner pocket of just fans who are just not. But it's gross and it's mean and it's yeah, a turn off. No matter if you like it or not, I know everything's subjective, but like, you know, it's, it's, I, I think we should be, you know, appreciative of, of like Star Wars, just the fandom. All. It's, yeah, it's just there, yeah. you know, and, and still, and I, you know, I, I mean, it's great they've been able to, you know, I still, I think we could both agree, like the original trilogy is still, I still consider that my Star Wars experience. And yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, encapsulated in those three films. Um, but, you know, I, I am, you know, I'm in, I am still curious and interested to see where the Skywalker kind of story arc goes. And I guess concluding it now in this next film, 
Um, and you know, at least knowing that, like, okay, like you know, they're taking steps. They're they're trying to conclude the story arc and recognizing that there's only you know there's only so much story we can tell with these characters, and and there are many more characters that we can in, involve and and show. Um, but yeah, dude, I don't know. I'm sold on <laughs> dis. I'm sold on Disney though, as far as the streaming service. I mean, that, I was yeah. very surprised by that. Pricing, yeah, I mean, actually. and I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm thinking about cutting my cord with Netflix. You know, the, the the company that got me to be a cord cutter is they've raised their price to I think like fifteen or sixteen a month, and I uh, I can't remember yeah. the last time I watched something on Netflix. Yeah, it's, it's been it's, months since I fired up fucking Netflix. Like, I've been on HBO and uh, Amazon actually. There's a couple of shows I've been checking out on Amazon. So yeah, I've been HBO Hulu the past couple of days and Criterion. Criterion. Really. I haven't well. been a good Criterion watcher. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I, but I, I have a lot of dependence on my Netflix account, so I don't know if I can <laughs> if I can end it. Um, I, I just think yeah, the the funny thing now is like with all the different streaming services and you know called of course all this exclusive content per service. Um, it's slowly like I'm now paying probably about the same amount of price as I would pay for like cable TV now Yeah, with all the yeah. stuff I'm signed up for. So I think, yeah, I think in the future it's going to be companies like Disney where it's like, this is, I think WB is doing the same thing for their, I think they're doing for WB, like a streaming service. Um, and if not, That's right, yeah. that would make You're sense. Right. But, and they're uh, going to incorporate HBO somehow. Yeah, and that's what I, that's what I liked about. I think I have HBO by itself, HBO Now, but I think Hulu has partnerships with those like Showtime and HBO. Hulu te- is co-owned by Disney, so a lot of uh, that's okay. I think getting kind of incorporated in the Disney Plus side of things. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You really gotta cool. know what company owns which company. It's bullshit. Um, yeah. All these umbrella. Yeah. Because I think. Hulu was part of the Fox thing, and then once Disney absorbed Fox, they got Hulu. Oh man, so that's yeah. another thing too. All that, like Fox. the Simpsons, are going over to Disney Plus. Oh no way! Really? That'll be the streaming oh, home of the Simpsons. Cool. Okay. All right. Yeah. Pretty pretty wild stuff. Pretty wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, man. It's it's. Uh, we'll have to see. I I'm not you know completely sold on Disney Plus just yet. I. I'm not that big of a Disney guy. I, I like Disney stuff and I respect it for what it is, but yeah, the company kind of makes me feel a little gross. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of share that like, you know, um, I guess this kind of goes into like the top five that I have. Like, I mean, Ooh. so my top five for tonight is, uh, um, kind of movies that define our childhood and, I have a couple on here that are Disney films, and I gotta say, yeah, Disney, you know, Disney for for the company they they are, and and the kind of history of of their and their influence on film history. Um, it's gonna be, you know, it, I don't know. There was it, it. Disney had weirdly enough like an influence on my childhood, or or I guess oh like, yeah, kind of my upbringing, and I guess where it is now, you know, I, we had the discussion about the live action films and. You know, I'm, I'm not like too crazy about, you know, I'm not too attached to those because it's like, well, you know, you know, obviously it's out there now, you know, especially with the Lion King coming out. But, you know, yeah. I always I will always appreciate the original Lion King. 
Um, and for yeah, what it, it shouldn't is. detract from that original thing. Yeah, and I, I think that for everyone who you know, like I think that's the same. You know, I, I would be sad if they remade Back to the Future. Um, and It'll happen one day. It will happen one day, and I have to take it as it is. But yeah. I, I think knowing in my heart that I appreciate the original films, and you know they're very close to me. So it's like, you know, that's always the hard part of like separating that kind of yeah. your personal, you know, kind of dues and history. Yeah. For me, it'll be Indiana Jones. I my heart will fucking break when they remake Indy. Oh man. And it'll happen. It'll, it'll probably happen. happen, dude. But anyways, uh, uh, I guess that segues into my top five. So. Um, Joey, what are your top five uh, movies that kind of define your childhood that really were part of your upbringing and, um, you know, they either have taught you something or they're just a film that you enjoy and, and made you made you kind of love film as a young child. Yeah. So what are your top five films? So I was I, I love this, but I mean, it's impossible. Like it's it's just it's a impossible. lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, because I, I was thinking back like. You know, and I I went through phases of liking maybe a certain actor, so I would watch those movies. Or yeah, you know, yeah. Titanic hit me in a fucking weird way and made me obsessive a little bit, but I wouldn't necessarily put it on this list. Or, um, so I tried to kind of, well, here we'll start at number five, and this is where I think my tastes started to change. Okay. It started to evolve until so I'm kind of thinking, um, like right around twelve ish is when my taste started to change something, anything before that as my childhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that film is army of darkness. Once again, shout out. Thank you to my cousin Mickey of the three friends podcast. Um, he, I'll never forget, introduced us to army of darkness in uh, my parents' den and, uh, holy shit, <laughs> man, this movie just hit me in such a way. I couldn't, the humor, you know, I watch it now and it's in your face, but back then, because I was used to like Jim Carrey, um, the humor was subtle and more adult and, um, uh, I, I don't, and it was, it was violent. It was funny. It was, it was it had a lot of different things I've right? ever seen before. Yes. And, and the, the, the filmmaking called attention to itself in such an energized fucking fun way. It was so in your face. Um, so that's where everything changed for me. But like, I was still at that kid level where I obsessed the fuck out of it. Like when I was thinking back to a lot of these movies, I was thinking a lot about like watching the movie on the TV, but holding like the VHS like case in my hands. You know what I mean? Like that's how you know, like this is this, there was a strong connection to this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, army of darkness, uh, fucking changed my fucking world, you know, (laughs) um, really did. And, um, so yeah, that would that, that would be my number five. I you know I was Ash twice for Halloween. Like I would always draw the character and like covers and shit on whatever you know schoolwork I had. And yeah, there you go. Wild, cool. It's wild. <laughs> um, number four. I'm gonna go Indiana Jones, and I, I can't choose just one. I mean Raiders is my favorite, but I saw the first three all kind of around the same time, the same age. Um, and I mean, it's, I liked comedy and I liked action. You know, I, I, I I wanted to fucking be Indiana Jones, you know, and, um, and Indy was, was the type of thing where it felt plausible. Like, you know, you could be this person. Yeah. Yeah. um, If you studied hard enough or whatever, you know, much like the Batman argument, but, um, 
I don't know, man. There's such a rush, and it's it's the music. It's everything. It makes you like when you when you watch it now. It it's that it makes me feel like a kid again because it actually makes you feel like a kid again. Like it stirs those same emotions in the pit of your stomach, and just like fuck, <laughs> this is so great. It's like um, I'm going to adventure right now. <laughs> you know, and kill some Nazis. Um, <laughs> kill some fucking bloody Nazis. And uh, yeah, man. I, Indy was cool. He was calm. He was collected until he wasn't. And then he was hilarious. Um, yeah. Indiana Jones. Indy. Number three, which uh, I'm sure some people be like, what? That's low. Um, the, the original Star Wars trilogy, man. Um, yeah. And I specifically remember the VHS tapes. Um, this was pre-special edition. This was uh, uh, Darth Vader's helmet was a new hope. With a X-wing oh, and a Tie Fighter, right, dude? Um, Empire was a stormtrooper for some reason, giant stormtrooper head with like the Battle of Hoth near the bottom yeah. of the tape, and then Return of the Jedi was Yoda's big fucking head and Luke and Darth in the throne room, and the Emperor might have been pictured as well. But that was Did my they... fucking trilogy on VHS, dude. Didn't they have like different like colors for each? It was like blue, I think, for the. Because I feel like I had the same VHS. Yes. I want to say the overall design of the box was like black and bluish. But you're talking like the letters, Star Wars like the, and the yeah. font and everything. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think Jedi was green. Green. Okay. Oh, yeah. That makes um, sense. Empire. Man. Oh, man. I, I, I or, can, pic- I can picture it, dude. or something? Yeah. Jedi I can totally purple, picture it. I think. Um, I've got to look it up. But, man. Yeah, Star Wars changed everything. It's the hero's journey. It's to this day, I'm sorry. The the puppetry and all that shit is way more real than the CGI. Um and uh I don't know, man. It was just I loved it. I I I I I don't know like what can't you say about Star Wars at this point? You know what I mean? Like Yeah. But, you know, you relate to Luke, you relate to uh, the good versus evil, that there's some evil inside of you. And um, but just, again, the music, the the side characters like Jabba the Hutt. And it's just bigger than life adventures and locations. Um, I remember, you know, the the Jabba sail barge when they're taking him out to execute Luke at the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. And um you know, in my backyard, I remember, you know, they didn't have a, a skiff or whatever, sail barge or whatever toy. And I just had a fucking Kleenex box with my action figures. <laughs> and, you know, maybe my mom's nail filer is like the plank. And uh, I made it, you know, and I was, I would just I'd be out in my backyard playing with my action figures, telling the stories. Like, that's is where I learned to tell mm. fucking stories. Stories. Um, it was these movies, man. So, and I called it up. Star Wars was blue. Empire was purple, Jedi was red. I had that same exact box set. Oh my yes. gosh, dude. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Ugh, I love, I wish I still had them. Same. I threw them out. I fucking feel guilty to say. <laughs> um, well, I've got those fucking DVDs now. No, you idiot. Those are the special editions, you the, fucking yeah, kid. <laughs> oh my God. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Um, I, you know, I don't think any other actor defined my childhood. 
like Jim Carrey. Oh, and yeah. um, I think Ace Ventura as a kid was my favorite. Now it's Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Um, and I love Dumb and Dumber as a kid, but I think because of the theatricality of Ace Ventura and also <laughs> the mask. Um, I do remember being in kindergarten, which would put my brother at three years old. And my mom had like a Bonkos night and she came home with the mask on VHS. Like, here, just stay up in your room. <laughs> Five years old, I'm watching the mask. Um, <laughs> I'd been freaking out. <laughs> dude. Loved it. I loved it. I would put on a bathrobe and spin around the room and like use my hands as a mask and be like, smoking. Um, so the Ace Ventura and Mask were just hugely, hugely fucking influential on me. Um, probably to, probably to the chagrin of definitely my nan, definitely my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but number one, the most, uh, defining movie, um, is Batman 89. Yeah. Oh yeah. My parents this day hold that they took me to the drive-in as a fucking newborn. This movie came out in July. I was born in April, so do the fucking math. And, um, cause I can't really seriously. I don't do mental math. And, um, yeah, man, this, everything about this movie, I, I, I can picture the living room, my old house. I can fucking just hearing the Foley sounds and, um, the music cues and just like, you know, the sound of the, fucking dude shoes on the grates and the chemical factory like all of that shit just yeah Ooh, stirs wow. some shit in me and i feel at home i feel comfortable i feel you know i it's not a great batman movie it's not a great movie yeah um but the design is perfect this the music is perfect and uh the experience not so much as i've gotten older but had just obviously a tremendous effect on me just as an individual. And as a person, Batman is my character and it all started with Batman 89. Damn. So, uh, we, we, uh, we don't share a number one. I have it at number two. You do. But I, I, I agree with you, man, as, as far as, as Batman, uh, you know, like I think you're saying like the, with the, like hearing all the, remembering all the ways, the, scenes played out and the, and the sounds and like, it, it was such yeah as far as a memory to me, like, you know, uh, remembering Batman and, and my earliest memories of Batman. And of course, you know, like kind of my first superhero movie and what, you know, kind of the superhero is, but obviously the, um, you know, maybe I, I was too young at the time to see the tragedy, you know, as far as, you know, the character as Batman, you know, losing his parents and, you know, maybe that weight, as far as that, uh, as an early at an early age, but um, just seeing like you know a hero and, and kind of versus the Joker, the villain, and um, and yeah, the stylistically and the, the way it looked, it, you know, it's very different from what we see in in some of the Batman films today. So yeah, um, yeah. but the mu- music overall, I think, is will always be the one that triggers those kind of memories of you know watching it. And we're specifically uh, referring to Bat Dance by Prince. Bad dance by Prince. <laughs> Shout out to Prince. Shout out to Prince. No, I'm just kidding. Danny Elfman. Danny uh, Elfman. Um, did you you sent me a video just recently, right? Uh, that was a while back. Yeah, I think I posted yeah. it on Facebook where they got a whole orchestra doing that it. orchestra. Yeah, yeah. And it's fucking great. So that cool. Soundtrack is is amazing, and uh, yeah, hearing that song always brings me back to that film. Yeah. So, um, Batman '89. I got number five. Uh, number five, we've got uh, 
I got Jurassic Park. Um, nice. From 93. I was too scared. I was too scared for Jurassic Park as a, as a youngin. Uh, yeah, I mean, this made me think dinosaurs were legit real in, in the in the real world. And I, I guess the kind of, it, it's a film that, maybe it's, a, you know, how, you know, kid, when you're a kid, you know, like, suddenly you're scared of sometimes monsters, right? I yeah. was scared. I was scared of dinosaurs, dude. And oh, f- fuck yeah! Yeah. <laughs> after watching that film, and I don't know, it it was definitely in, in a film that uh, you know reminds me of uh, you know kind of um, the the sheer curiosity of of our past and and the and just kind of like where dinosaurs came from and and um, you know when you look at it now, there's I'm sure there's deeper ways to like think of Jurassic Park and the kind of ethics behind it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but watch, yeah. watching it, it's like, wow, like, uh, you know, slowly learning about dinosaurs in like school and like seeing a film where, you know, people are interacting with them and, you know, just this sheer fantasy of, of like, wow, what, it, what would it be like if there was a, if dinosaurs still ruled the world or still lived on earth. And um, I think it was that, that sense of curiosity and, and also, fear at the same time that drew me to to this movie so yeah um yeah jurassic park tons of tons of different uh scenes that i can remember from that film yeah well and and like you were saying the deeper themes and stuff um you know we weren't i don't think we were picking up on them as kids but yeah they were still making their way into our brains into our consciousness and you know these movies all movies really kind of shape your morality you know, yeah, this um, stuff counts, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's just as important as what you learn at home, what you learn at school. Yeah, and then there's movies that are constantly just morality tales. Very true, man. No matter how you know real or or plausible they might be, um, or fi- you know if they're fictional stories, but yeah, you learn from those. And I, I, I like how you said that. Like it's as a kid, you're you're probably not consciously taking that in. But you know, weirdly via enough, osmosis. Yeah, no, really yeah. <laughs> enough. Yeah, that stuff sticks over time, and and then of course you watch it as an adult, and you're like, wow, like, you know, did I pick? You know, is it, you know, I I picked up on this from the very beginning, or you know, this is a new thing that I, a new way of looking at the film as well, but still appreciating it for you know what your memory of it when yeah. you first saw it. So, so uh, number five, Jurassic Park. Um, I got from number four. I do have a Jim Carrey film. Um, I picked Dumb and Dumber on this one. Nice. 94. And I, I got to say, though, you're right. Those, I mean, those films, I think, didn't Dumb and Dumber? Uh, Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, and um, The Mask all came out. On the same year, right? Yeah. Like, 94. And, you know, now that I think of it, I feel like The Mask, as you mentioned it, I feel like that's the one that kind of sticks in my memory more. Um, but just seeing... Uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey and, and, you know, as, as these, you know, I think his comedy side and, and maybe I think that just getting the humor and, and as a, as a young kind of kid, just like, you know, things that it almost reminded the, I'm not trying to compare him to him, but it it almost reminded me of like the three stooges. And as far as like that, that type of humor where it was humor, you know, obviously through, um, action and physicality things, and physicality yeah. and because um, it didn't and, even matter what Jim Carrey was saying. It was the way he fucking said it. The way he funny. said it. 
Yeah, and I guess that could be said also for like the mask or uh, Ace Ventura, the way he delivered those lines. It, it was totally. so animated and and um, unique to the character that he's presenting there. And um, as I guess when you're younger, you know those things obviously visually pop out to you, and and you kind of remember those. Um, you know, a little bit more. So, it, yeah, I mean, with Dumb and Dumber, it, it was hilarious. And I still find it one of my favorite kind of comedy films of all time. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's so yeah, fucking good. It's such a good film, and it it's holds so up, great. dude. It holds up. It does. Up. It really does. So, um, yeah, Dumb and Dumber for number four. Very nice. Uh, ooh, let's see here. Got Aladdin for number three. <sighs> that almost made it. Um, and maybe, uh, kind of similar to, uh, I guess, um, like the star Wars, like I, I remember, I remember owning, like having it on VHS and, you know, looking at the cover and, and, you know, appreciating, you know, I guess kind of my earliest appreciations of film, even though I probably wasn't consciously thinking about it yeah. where it's like, Oh wow. You know, I like the artwork. I, you know, I, I'm, you know, uh, you're just kind of curious of like this kind of medium. And, um, and then of course the story of Aladdin kind of the, the, the rags to riches and there's, you know, small, you know, there's a lot of different kind of themes in there. And, um, and, you know, the genie, of course, you know, Robin Williams is the genie. I think he was the, the, the character that I remember the most, uh, because of those animated feelings and, and the way he, he was presented in the, in the film. It's just such a iconic role, for 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 Robin Williams and I just don't know how the, I don't know how no, no offense to Will Smith but I just don't know how Will Smith's gonna top that. He, but he, well, the answer is you don't you and you don't yeah. even try. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he'll do his own thing. It'll be different, but it won't be the fucking genie, man. Yeah, you're right, man. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's one of my earliest memories of Disney. Um, I, I'm sure the probably the first Disney movie I saw movie I saw was like The Little Mermaid or one of those or like. Snow White, but as I far as my mom took me to the theater to see Snow White, and we just couldn't make it through. It was like bored and shit. Oh man! But that's the thing too. It's like compared to some of the, um, you know, I mean, Disney has has had a history, obviously, of, of film and, and animation, and I guess for Aladdin, you know, I guess where animation was at at that time, also, and you know, of course, it was very visual, and um, you know, I remember almost getting, uh, you know, my first kind of, uh, experiences with, um, you know, being kind of afraid and, you know, it's like, you know, I'm like, I, I don't know what to expect from this genie that you meet or, you know, it's almost like I was kind of starting to kind of, uh, kind of look into the characters and, and it's like, Oh, you know, like how's, you know, what's my first impression on this character, I guess, at the, at the time and, and how do they kind of go through the film? And so maybe I was like unconsciously thinking that just, you know, in my head, but I don't know. It's just a great film and the, the animation and just the genie, I think that popped out to me when I was younger. And, you know, of course, Disney still, I feel has those kind of the, the morales as, as far as kind of instilling those into their films mm-hmm. and, you know, watching it later in my life, it's, you know, of course it, it has kind of a heavier meaning to it. So, um, yeah, Latin for number three. Not bad. Uh, I got I had Batman eighty nine for two, and then one you mentioned it, and it's it's Star Wars, of course. Right <laughs> on, man. All three. I, uh, yeah, I, I guess all three because those the, the original trilogy is is what 
I grew up on and what we, you know, what we both know as, as the kind of original Star Wars story. And, um, yeah, you're right, dude. I mean, it, it had, you know, the, the hero's journey and it had, you know, kind of the, the good and bad, you know, that kind of concept of that and kind of, you know, trying to take that in as, you know, as a child and, you know, understanding like the good and bad, you know, it's like, it's very simple concepts, but of course, you know, the films are very dense in a way when you watch them, um, later on. And, you know, obviously there's, uh, a father son relationship in there, you know, there's tons of different things happening within the, within the story. Um, but as far as like, you know, good and bad and then, you know, space, I guess my kind of experience with, uh, space and, you know, my thoughts and ideas of like, will we ever, you know, I'm sure I wasn't thinking that as a kid, but like just the curi- the sheer curiosity of, you know, when it says, when the opening tile says, you know, in a galaxy far, far away, it's like that thought of like, oh my gosh, this could exist like somewhere else. And almost as a child, I was like, you know, it's real. Like this yeah. is happening somewhere else. And um, so it, it, yeah, it kind of my early ideas and, 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 conceptions about like space travel and like that kind of uh openness to to what's out out there and you know as a kid you you know you, there's tons of th- questions you're asking about you know or you probably don't have you don't you probably aren't asking those questions because you're so young um so taking it as as a as a trilogy as a as a set of films and seeing these this journey with these characters and, you know, I guess it is like kind of my first experience with, you know, following these characters in, you know, multiple films and multiple, you know, story arcs. So it's it, it was like my first experience with that, too, and getting attached to a character like Luke yeah. Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewbacca and, you know, really being, you know, very uh, attached to those characters. I think I think that's probably why I put it so high. It's just like I I really did have a. Um, you know, I, I, my heart went out to 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 everyone in, in the film. Like I, I really, you know, connected with you know someone like you know Luke Skywalker and, and Han Solo and and um, you know Chewbacca and, and Han Solo their friendship together and and kind of concepts of of those you know those things. And um, I'm sure there's like crazy philosophical. Uh, I'm sure there's like a, a book on it too or something about like all the different types of you know, things and, and things that takeaways that you can pull from Star Wars. But um, as a kid, it's just that, that simple concept of, of the, the, the hero's journey. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Star Wars. Man. Oh, yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Roll right on, man. That was, that was fun. I really like that list. Good, good shit, Shawnee. Oh, yeah. And also, uh, my, my, uh, by want to fly spaceships, including the X-Wing. I think that was like... Man, the X-Wing. I, pretending, like, as a kid, pretending to be, like, in the X-Wing. And and then the toys, too, of course. That, that you know, you were saying storytelling, right? Sorry to, sorry to keep going, but you're right. No, no, like, no. I, I think uh, concept of storytelling and, like, our imaginations. It sparked my imagination, that film. Yeah. And what it, opened done, up, so. it opened up our brains. It did? You know, like, in... in it sounds silly to say, but it really, and you know, I, I don't think these new ones are going to do the same thing. They're not different enough from the movies that are also coming out. Like 
they could be almost interchangeable with Marvel movies at this point where, you know, in 77 and fucking even in the nineties, the fucking original trilogy was better than anything else or at least different than everything else out there. That was what I mean. You're right. Um, It stood on its own for sure. It really did. Yeah. Which, and I, I don't know that this generation or the next generation has the, uh, focus or or you know whatever attention span to watch and appreciate the original trilogy as young as we did and yeah could. but i hope so i really hope they do i don't know <laughs> i think oh, it's yeah. imperative that we it, it should be a law that you know if you're going to show fucking star wars to a person for the first time you start with the original trilogy <laughs> don't even you do then, the pre- prequel <laughs> you do the prequels after to be After. like, you see what the fuck happened, and then you, <laughs> and then you come back to the fucking the new trilogy. The new trilogy, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. All right, Shawnee, you ready for a fucking list, my friend? Yeah, hit me with it, dude. All right, Shawnee, I am so fucking excited right now on Game of Thrones, and I was thinking about it all day today. What are your top five favorite Game of Thrones locations or places on the map in oh, Westeros? So, oh man, it. it it was kind of tough. To, I was thinking because, you know, when they do the opening credits, they always show like what locations they're going to be at in the season. And uh, yeah, there, there have been a, there have been so many places they've been to. And, you know, based off the family that they're in or or, or where the that kind of faction is um, in the story. But um, these are my five that really kind of stood out to me. And I'm and actually some of these places are actual real places. Um, I was looking yeah, uh, when, I, when I was researching it up. Um, so number five, I've got um, King's Landing, or I guess like part of Westeros. And um, yeah, man, as, as far as King's Landing, I, I always think of the scene. Um, there's the scene where Jamie Lannister is sparring with, uh, with Braun on that kind of like ocean side. And a lot of the scenes actually where there's the conversations taking place with like Lady Marjorie. Mm-hmm. And and you know there's this kind of like coastal feeling to it, and of course it's King's Landing, so you know it's the it's where the the king and queen are supposed to you know that's where the main honchos of the whole entire place, the whole entire kingdom, are supposed to be living. Um, at times it does feel kind of grimy, I gotta say, because yeah. of the Lannisters staying all over it. Um, well, and, and of course, the, whenever they show like the the public, they just look. I mean, yeah, peasants. Everyone's a peasant in King's Landing. Yeah, yeah. So I guess for me, it's it's the it's the kind of the geography and the you know where it lies, and of course the in this kind of bay, and um, I don't know. I always think of those scenes, like where you know Jamie, yeah, Jamie's kind of sparring on that little kind of platform, maybe where the the uh, ships dock or something. Um, and yeah, it, it ha- definitely has this you know kind of grand you know, with the castle and everything. And, and, you know, yeah, it is one of the main kingdoms. Of course, they're obviously all trying to go f- and get the throne from there and, and take uh, take the throne. So, you know, it has become a centralized part of the show, too, as far as everyone's trying to get to this place. And, you know, a lot of we've seen a lot of characters come in and out of, out of King's Landing. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I think the, the that's why it's kind of, like, higher uh, or on my five. It's like there there are times where it's like, dang, they're like, 
this place looks kind of like grimy at times. Yeah, <laughs> with all the real. peasants and stuff. But there, there is still some beauty in it, and um, definitely. Yeah, I'm. I'm, the, I'm sure there's been. I I think there's a couple places like in Italy they shot um, King's Landing, and then there's like Spain. There's just a yeah. whole bunch, a whole bunch of places that they they shot, and it's incredible that they get to use that as far as HBO being able to shoot on location at some of these places, which is incredible. Um, so number five, King's Landing. Uh, number four, I've got Dragonstone. Nice. Um, for the longest time, I totally forgot that Stannis Baratheon was in that place. That's right. Yeah, he for uh, the majority of the. He squatted, and then I guess when they had the actual, um, in the seventh season, the Dragonstone episode where Daenerys goes and, and visits her home, um, and kind of, they go in, like, the front entrance, so it's like, at, at the same time, it, it, it looks so, when Stannis was ruling, it looks so grimy and kind of, it, it almost also did kind of reflect the, the health and being of Stannis and his kind of mental you know, where he was at at that time. And so it felt so grim and yes. life, yeah. lifeless, right? And um, But when Daenerys, you know, in that episode where she, she lands, it's this beautiful, you know, the, 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 the look of the castle itself, and it's just so grand. And when they open that gate, and they have that, like, whole kind of, like, almost looks like the Great Wall, like, this whole, like, staircase to go all the way up to the, to the throne room. And of course, it sits on you know the main story plot is it sits on dragon glass or a, you know a mound of dragon glass. So it's very important to the to where this con- is co- concluding. Um, but um, it just looks incredible, and, and it definitely looks like a castle that a ruler should you know would be. And I always think of the the kind of war room you know where Stannis is at with the map and everything, and yeah. um, the like I guess that kind of open um, from that kind room. Kind of open Hell place, of the, view. the bay. Of view. Yeah, yeah. So it definitely has some. You know, when you look at it, and I guess with Stannis out of the picture at that time, it, you know, you can kind of appreciate for what for what it was. Uh, you know, you know, of course, the Targaryen. It served the Targaryen house, and you know, it has a lot of history. But as a, as a feat, and you know, I know the it's a made up castle, but they they were able to kind of create this very grand, and you know, it, it's almost like I kind of wish if Daenerys. You know, we'll see if she's going to be queen or not. I'm not sure anymore. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I could totally see her just ruling from there, and, and it, it totally fits. You know, I think, yeah. the th- I think the throne room looks even better than the... It's uh, the coolest throne room, for sure. Yeah, with the, the kind of the rock coming out of the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so, fucking great. So, yeah, Dragonstone for number four, um, just because of just the grand look of it and and the the that one episode where Daenerys kind of almost gives you a kind of a little walking tour of it. Yes, um, yeah. It's an, it's just incredible. That is a beautiful moment. Yeah, oh, yeah it's such of a course, cool moment. Yeah, for her kind of returning home. So it yeah. is it does hold a lot of significance. Um so number 3 I've got I've got Bravos. Bravos. Nice. Been mentioned a few times throughout the series and um, it is where uh, Arya goes to join the House of, of Black and White, or uh, I think it's the House of Black and White. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's where the, all the, of course, her, 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 her sword teacher, her, her um, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Fuck. Yeah, I'm not going to remember that one. Yeah, it's very early on in the, se- in the series. <laughs> but, you know, it seems like a lot of um, 
it's still kind of weirdly enough shrouded in mystery in a way, but Bravos, you know, it seems like, you know, good fight, you know, a lot of good fighters came from there. There's a sense of elegance in there, but also with the, you know, the house of black and white and that kind of order of, I guess, assassins and where Arya kind of, t- you know, learns how to become one. Um, it, it has this kind of weird uh, mystery, but everyone in Bravos knows about the, the, the house of black and white. So it's yeah. like, you, you got to think of like, so this kingdom and, you know, this, the, you know, these kind of, uh, this type of, uh, you know, these people are, is this the kind of like group of people that are in this area? Are they all kind of like mysterious or, you know, they, uh, you know, for hire, are they thieves? You know, it, it, it's a mixed bag of different people in this place, but at the same time, it weirdly has this sense of, er- uh, sense of elegance and, um, I guess going off of uh, Bravos, I guess the ho- the the House of Black and White. Um, just remembering it being on that like kind of, I think Ari had to take like a boat to get to it. It's just in the middle of this yeah. little bay, and uh, that is a cool town. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I I wish we had more chances to spend in Bravos. It, it gets mentioned a bunch of times, like for for the characters, and I, I feel like they kind of just. Um, I wouldn't say they underutilize it because it, it is a part of it, definitely a part of like Arya's storyline, and you know she that's how with her um, instructor come, being from there, that's how she kind of goes and get on that pathway to get there, and she kind of takes a couple risks, and um, you know she is un, uh, she's you know, she's unaware of what's going to happen, and um, it's definitely a part of that character and, and her journey. So I'm glad they kind of at least went there and kind of showed you, you know, what's up with Bravos. Yeah. So yeah, Bravos for number, uh, two or three, sorry, three. three. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I have, this is kind of a, uh, uh, back and forth. I was kind of back and forth on these cause I, I don't, I would say two is Winterfell and number one is Dorne. Um, Two, I mean, we're man. Winter, I mean, Winterfell. Obviously, from the beginning of the series and our introduction to the Stark family, and you know, they are the family that uh, you know they're the. I feel like the main characters of the show, or you know, one of the main characters as far as the family. You know, we've been following all the Starks. You know, some of them have unfortunately passed and have been. Uh, they're definitely really, the protagonists, for sure. Yeah. The, in the show. And so you kind of grow an attachment to Winterfell and their home. And of course, when they're, when they are separated and, you know, Sansa was stuck in King's Landing for the longest time, you know, you get this sense of like, they, um, you know, they have such a connection to their, where they grew up and, and their home. And, um, of course the winter is coming and, you know, the idea of, of that and, you know, Winterfell is, is, you know, it's snow. It's you know, it snows all the time. There's winter in this area, and the you know the coats they wear, the the look of the of the northerners, and um, and then the, you know, of course, they uh, in the last couple of seasons they've united the north in some way or form, and so you get to see these other um, areas of the north um, kind of interacting with Winterfell and and the uh, Stark family, and so it, it's just great. It's a great little place that has you know it it had the starks and when they got separated and eventually you know kind of rejoining now you know in the in this last season and, and now starting the new season um it's great because it is a place that you know 
it, it is a place that uh, a center point for a lot of, of a lot of them as far as where they grew up and um, a place that they're comfortable with and feel safe with and um, you feel that I feel when when you see like Sansa return to Winterfell even though she did return unfortunately uh, before to marry Ramsay yeah. Bolton but now she's actually and, and that was the interesting thing too is they they use that the 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 place of Winterfell and the idea of of returning for her because um, that, that's a comfortable place for her. And, you know, unfortunately it didn't go so well on her first return <laughs> to Winterfell, but that's the thing too. It was, you know, it had such a connection with a lot of the, the main Stark characters and, um, and, you know, now I think leading into the, you know, the last kind of couple episodes of the series, you know, we're, you know, we're in places like Dragonstone and, and we're in Winterfell cause that's where, you know, the Night King and his army is going to come and they're the kind of the first, you know, the North is the very kind of first area that they're going to attack and before they get to King's Landing. And, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's just Winterfell has just such been such a huge part of, uh, man, I'm going to go with number one, I think. for All Winterfell. right. All right. Cause it just, I, I think it just holds such a huge significance to the main protagonist of the, of the show. And, um, it does, you know, it does, it is the center point that brings the family together. Um, even, even if it is just a place, you know, that, that, you know, uh, is a part of them and, and where they grew up. Hell and yeah. so I guess number two would be Dorne. Um, I, I think it's one of the most beautiful looking cities on yes. the show. And they, they have had a couple um, in a few seasons where they've showcased, you know, what Dorne is and, um, even the prince, unfortunately, who was, or the king, was it the king of Dorne or prince of Dorne? Prince. I think it was a king, prince, um, where he was murdered by the, like, sand snakes, the sand snakes. Um, but it seemed like a pretty peaceful place as far as where they were at with that leadership, um, until he got killed, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, it, it seemed like it was, you know, a place of a peaceful place. It was tranquil at, 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 it, at that time moment of the of the series um and it it was so elegant and and um i guess compared to king's landing and i guess the opposite side it it looked like every part of that city was either wealthy or or it was well kept and it seemed like a city that was cared for and um and you know it had you know always think of like kind of like gold and kind of these like I don't know yeah like I guess that kind of color like yeah you just think of like elegance and, and gold and I don't know like I maybe I, I pick it more over as far as the look of it well yeah um, absolutely but it you know it has it has ties to a lot of what's happened in the story um, you know of course um, Cersei's daughter was there and then she comes back you know she was poisoned Marcella. By the sand snakes, Marcella, uh, and then uh, you know Dorn, of course, you know, the sand snake storyline and, and where they came from, and it looks like currently now they're just kind of out of the picture. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was one of the other places, and uh, you know, a, a, a kingdom that, and that's the thing that I keep thinking about. It's like you know, there's the Iron Throne and King's Landing and the kind of main ruler, but also there's you know the Seven Kingdoms. There's these other people who are ruling and taking care of their kingdoms and, and cities, 
and it seemed like Dorne was the the one that was like felt like most like well kept and stable, most stable, and you know maybe that because of the rulership they had, or the, just maybe the type of you know people they have there and, and the kind of lifestyle. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it was a, a. I think more so is just the look, and and I think they shot some foot like in Croatia or something. There's just like a lot of something beautiful like kind of you know see, you know scenes in there, and I always felt like it's the tropical side of Westeros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, like, when you're in a tropical place, I feel like, you know, bad shit doesn't usually <laughs> try to happen to you. It's, it's mellow. mellow. Mellow, dude, yeah. until the Sand Snakes came in. But, yeah, yeah so that, that's my list, man. A lot of it has, you know, there's ties to the story and the characters, and that's kind of, like, how I picked them. And um, I guess just my memories of them and, I guess, you know, how much time we've spent in those places more like so, that. so. That's not what? how I picked them. Interesting. Okay, so now I'm interested <laughs> to hear your 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 uh, your way of. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. What I are your top five for uh, aesthetics? For ah, uh, okay. where I'd like to just hang out and be. So I like that. Uh, yeah, number five, I chose the abandoned city of Volantis. <laughs> um, yes, okay. there's stone people there, but I could be a fucking stone person. I could make that work. Yeah, um, why not? But I just like how quiet it was. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd like to just chill there and have no one <laughs> fucking around. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, number four, I'm going to go Dorn. Dorn is beautiful. And as you said, it's tropical. It's mellow. It's, yeah, I want to fucking hang out there and lay by the pool for sure. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with The Road from King's Landing. It's just the road and the canopy of trees. Fucking, it's always kind of in the shadow. I love it. I love the look of it. It's so classic, you know, that medieval, like, hey, we're taking the road to town, you know, kind of fucking bullshit. Like, it's that. And I, you know, there could be, there could be, you know, uh, bandits. There could be, you know, passerbys. You never know what's going to go down on the road. Um, Yeah. Plus, it just looks cool. Yeah. Number three, or number two, sorry, Casterly Rock. Again, oh, yeah, it's secluded. Dude, yeah. It's just a rock out in the middle of the ocean. No one's going to fuck with you unless you have someone solely knocking on your door. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, fucking Casterly Rock is a bitchin' place. And I bitchin'. would definitely love that to be my home premises. <laughs> um, number one. I think possibly the most beautiful locale in Game of Thrones, Highgarden. Oh, you're right, dude. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, plus, Lady Olena, I think, is probably my favorite Game of Thrones character. Dude, she's such like, a boss. not going to lie. I think she is my full-on favorite fucking character on the show. She's and, the hardest uh, boss ever, man. <laughs> she's so fucking sick. Um, even when she died, she went out like a fucking boss. Um, she's like, I killed Joffrey. <laughs> Tell Cersei. I want you to know it was me. Um, she's fucking great. She downed that poison too. She was like, fuck it. Here we go. She didn't take no time. Um, but yeah, high garden, man is fucking cool. Castle, cool surroundings. Um, I dug it. I, I love the, there's a scene, I think in, it's not in high garden, but it's in King's landing where, um, she's talking to Marjorie, uh, lady Marjorie, and they're walking through the gardens. And I, I think she's like, oh, I'm going to, uh, it's right before the sparrows come. 
Um, and I think Mar- Marjorie is going to, I think she's going to stay in King's Landing to like try to woo over the king or whatever. Right. And there's a part where she's like, you know, if I, if I, could, if I have to walk through this, uh, these gardens one more time, I'll be sick of it or stuff like that. She just says that. And I, I could tell like she obviously, she, you know, I think she has such a connection to um, that, you know, their home in High Garden. And of course, yeah. they probably have beautiful gardens in, in High Garden. And, you know, it's, uh, it seems like a pretty chill place to be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Word. Word. Right on. Well, we're going to keep the Game of Thrones talk going. Uh, we have Chill. done what we like to call seasons on the show, little weekly segments. Uh, first, we did movies from the year of our birth. Then we did uh, the Beatles discography. And then we did the Ramones discography. I don't know what I give them in a British accent. They're from Queens. Now, we are starting our new segment. I'm, I'm unofficially calling it Throne Zone. Throne Zone. Okay, That's I'm done. But Throne can, Zone. If you feel like Throne Zone, out. Um, I like it. But this Throne is Throne Zone. Throne Zone, uh, thro- Throne zone 8.1, right? Yeah, season eight. 8, Episode season 1. Eight. Um, this episode Woo. was... This was two years in the fucking making. And we're only getting <laughs> six of these bad boys left. I savored every fucking second of this episode. I loved it. Um... And then upon reflection, I just liked it. And uh, um, I watched it twice. I had a really good time with it. Shawnee, how did you feel about this episode? Uh, kind of the same, man. It, it, it's kind of crazy to think it's been like that amount of time since the last season. And at the same time, it's like when it when the last season finished, I was like, God, how are we going to wait for like yeah this long for it? And it, it's here. And it's now finally- I can't wait till next week. I, I I'm back on that on that kind of high of just like waiting weekly and you know it mm-hmm. it, it is very you know it, it you're right man it is show it's gonna be a show that's gonna go down um, in history because of of just the the sheer reach of it the amount of people who are watching it and the the discussion and um, here's a hot take if this show was streaming and and released in a batch all at once it would not have the same impact. I, I, I agree with you, man. Yeah. And, and, and we program. We've watched the like rewatched the series, in, you know, in its entirety, I think back, back and back to front, which is quite, it's quite a lot, you know, to it's kind a, of it's a, soak it's a it all in. Done. It's a lot, man. <laughs> so, and you know, I think that, uh, that idea of watching it per week and, and, you know, the, the, the reveals and of course how the story progresses. And of course the week you have in between is just freaking racking your brain on every kind of th- whatever it's going to happen in the next episode and the discussion and the fandom, you know, it, it does, it does have such a, of that kind of interaction and, and re- reach and fandom, but you know, for, for a show. So, um, but for this episode, dude, it's, you know, we have what, six of them. Yeah. So it is kind of bittersweet. It's like, fuck, we already got the first one. And there's just so much that happened in the first episode. I was happy as far as, we obviously got some um, some characters that met um, that haven't met in for so long. Some characters that haven't met at all on the show, yeah. Um, which it had, you know, very great um, scenes, and you know, of course, I know we're gearing up for the White Walkers and this big battle or whatever. But I'm glad that the first episode was still kind of essential Game of Thrones. It was just discussion and and talking and and really kind of. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, interactions between certain characters that you haven't seen each other for a while. So, and 
it just delivered on so many of the different levels. And I was, I was happy that it didn't feel so, I mean, yeah, we have six episodes. So yeah, there's going to be some, I would say fast tracking as far as like, yeah, oh, we yeah. got to kind of get this information across, but um, you know, I was, I was fairly entertained and I, I just super giddy throughout the whole th- I mean, I just was on the edge of my seat and I'm trying to remember. I, I am definitely going to rewatch it possibly tonight. That's why I'm like, oh man, I watched it so late at night. I'm so. going to rewatch it again. I actually started it again before the podcast. Ooh, okay, yeah. So I'm on, I'm on viewing number three, but um, let's let's just put a big spoiler label right yeah, here. Spoilers, if you yes. haven't watched it yet, what the fuck? Go and do that. Um, but let's. Let, I'm going to try to walk us through the episode sequentially. Um, okay. So we open first of all brand new title sequence. Yeah, you're right. Uh, which uh, is usually a, uh, I don't like that. Like you've had you've had the same thing for seven seasons, and now you're going to change it up, or you get a little too big for your britches. But I think it's out of necessity because there's only really two locations on the map now: Winterfell and King's Landing. Yeah, and the wall is is gone, so they had the that. You know, gone. they changed that, and yeah. The color scheme is is more blue, um, which to reflect winter and all that, which is cool. And um, we get the throne now. Oh yeah, you're right. You know, um, we're breaking down a fucking title sequence. This is how crazy the show is. That you know, <laughs> how I would what it you know spawns in its fandom. Um, all right, but so the show opens, and then we open on a child, a little boy trying to see the army marching into Winterfell. And it's the Unsullied. And uh, it's reminiscent of Arya when Robert Baratheon came to Winterfell in the first yeah, episode. Yeah, right. And she's trying to get a view and everything. And um, So that kid, you know, tries to climb, and then he's running, and he finally stands, I think, in front of Arya. Yeah. And Arya sees Jon and Daenerys. She sees the Hound. She sees Gendry. All these people. Um, oh, man. And the music cues were a little off to me. Like, you see the hound, and it's like, dun, dun, dun. And then you see Gendry, no, 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 with this, like, nary a transition. You know, it was just kind yeah. of like, it was like someone was going, sad, happy, sad. And it was just like, <laughs> all right, all right, guys. Um, cool. Play with our emotions now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we, <clears throat> ooh, throat bubble. Did you hear that? So then we move in. Um, let's see. John sees Sansa. Sansa sees Daenerys. Oh, yeah. Um, I think she sees dragons for the first time, which is cool. Um, but Sansa, right off the bat, is ice cold to Daenerys. Oh, yeah. Daenerys tries. She tries. She tries to pay her compliment, which felt a little out of character for me. They're almost. It's almost gotten to a um, romantic comedy. Like, I feel like John yeah. and Daenerys are in a romantic comedy and the rest of everyone else is still in Game of Thrones. They're trying, yeah, they're definitely trying to hide their kind of relationship and, like, yeah. you know, trying to play it off or whatever. I like, thought Danny had a nice line, though. You know, Winterfell is every bit as beautiful as John said it would be, as are you. And what did Sansa do? She just looked at her. Yeah. I mean, it's expected now with all the shit she's been through and her guard is definitely up, especially oh, with yeah. anyone who is not, you know, claimed to, you know, from the north and, you know, she's she's owning the north and I think anyone who's outside of that, you know, she definitely has her guard up. So yeah. it was cool to see that. It's like, okay, like she's definitely not like, okay, like 
you know, she's definitely grown throughout this whole thing. And, and, and of course, unfortunately, with all these stuff that happened with her and Joffrey and Ramsey, you know, she's definitely she's definitely not, you know, she's not just being like, OK, I'm just going to accept you for who you are. I need to test you or, you know, I got to see what's up with your motives or whatnot, yeah. especially with, you know, Littlefinger in the last season and how they kind of ended his his storyline. And, you know, she she was kind of building up to like, I knew exactly you were doing all these things to, to sabotage our family and whatnot. So yeah. I think when you have someone like John, you know, it's like, who, who is this person you're hanging out with? You know? Um, yeah. And of course her claiming to be the queen, you know, that, that, that's also a thing too. And, you know, she's, she uh, is connected, you know, as far as John being the King of the North and being, I guess, you know, the, the King in a way, and, you know, now he's, like, bending the knee and all this kind of stuff. So it's, like, she's trying to accept that, too, because, you know, the North is a part of them, and, and, you know, that's important to them. So, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Let's see. John meets, sees Bran again for the first time, gives him Bran, a big hug and a kiss. He's he goes, stone, you're a man stoned out of his mind. <laughs> and Bran goes, almost. Which <laughs> is, is the Three-Eyed Raven almost a man? Uh, when did shouldn't he have said not quite? Not like, not quite. quite would have worked, but almost yeah. feels like what the fuck are you is? Do you have half a dick? What well, are you talking like, about? Yeah, I was like only well, one like, ball. I was like he's a virgin still, so it's like was he like referring oh. to that? Like, mm, but I don't know. know. But yeah, you, you're right. Like I I think the way it was I like my like, theory of the one ball better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right though. The way he said it was kind of like, uh, like what, what does he mean fuck? by that? Yeah. <laughs> So let's see. So, okay, we have this reunion, which should have been... Uh, this episode is made up of huge fucking moments compressed. Definitely, um, yeah. It's little bite-sized nuggets, which bummed me out a little bit. I understand it. We knew all of this shit was coming. Might as well get it out of the way so we can get on with the rest of the story. But it's still, I wanted to say... This episode could have easily been two hours long. You make us wait for two years for Game of Thrones? Yeah, you better give us a fucking two-hour <laughs> episode, you know? They, they could have had the exact same episode, two hours, and... It would have been more impactful, um, but we'll get to we'll get we'll get to all that. Um, so then I think they move inside, and John is meeting with the North. You know, all of the houses of the North. Uh, we see little Umber, Lord Umber. Uh, can we have horses, my lady, <laughs> and mm, and mm, my queen? Sorry. I did not. That kid sucked. Um, I'm <laughs> sorry. That kid's a shitty actor. Um, yeah. I know he's supposed to p- be playing nervous, but that that was awful. Um, <laughs> and then especially to have little, you know, Liana Marmont fucking come up and be like, yo, motherfucker, I named yeah. you king. What the fuck that. are you? Are you nothing? No, I still she love, was so fucking great. I love her. Yeah, she's, she's, she's the, wonderful. She's the best on that. <laughs> um, and then Sansa raises a shit ton of logic and uh, says, you know, I've got enough food or we accounted for enough food, but not for unsullied and Dothraki and, and dragons like and dragons. You know what? What do dragons eat anyway? And then Daenerys, anything they want. <laughs> and they look at each other. Um, <laughs> fucking. I don't know. I, you know, it, it, I get it. I get the animosity. And then Tyrion, you know, saves the day and you know if we survive this war it'll be thanks to the courage of Jon Snow and blah 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 and the Lannisters yeah. are coming 
oops, shouldn't have said that because now everyone is so <laughs> fucking pissed off. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's see. So that happens, which, you know, all of this felt pretty good so far. You know, yeah, yeah. I thought as the episode went on, it got a little more like, huh? <laughs> uh, what, what did we have after that? Um, was it, was it, was it, Tyrion? oh man, it, I, it's kind of, I got to see it again for yeah. sure. What, I know so, there was a Sansa Tyrion. So, yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. So, so Tyrion approaches Sansa yeah. outside. Um, and they have a very sweet little kind of chat, you know, uh, the last yeah. time I saw you was at Joffrey's wedding, morbid affair. It had its moments, you know? <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Sansa, get it, girl. <laughs> Um, but she's then, you know, she says the coolest fucking thing to Tyrion, you know, uh, I always thought you were the cleverest man in the world. And then she just fucking walks away because like, how could you believe Cersei is actually going to bring her army and yeah. help us? Like, mm-hmm. why the fuck, what the fuck are you thinking? Um, I love that. She like calls him out on it and, yeah. but also, you know, like appreciate, you know, he, yeah, he is one of the cleverest men. I think he's one of the smartest guys on the show. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Cause you know, I guess now with Sansa going through all these experiences, she's kind of also built up this, obviously this guard and, but also a way of reading people too. And, you know, she, she understands like the motives now of like, you know, she doesn't know what, with all the stuff that happened with her being married to Ramsey and just all these unexpected things happening to her every single time. I, sh- I mean, she had the worst luck in the sh- whole show, I feel, mm-hmm. um, from the first season. And, you know, now that she's kind of like, well, you know, she can kind of read, I feel like she can kind of read into a lot of these things. And that kind of goes with her new role as being kind of queen of the North and currently in, in the show. So it's like, I love that. Yeah, that was a great little moment they had. And it, of course, it solidifies that, you know, she knew he was a good man. And yeah. was there to still protect her, and you know, obviously, you know, he knew that the the wedding was, you know, you know, their marriage was kind of a forced marriage, and yeah. you know, as far as all that, how that ended, you know, of course, they didn't have a chance to even say anything to each other, or even have some sort of interaction after Joffrey died, and of course, they've gone on separate journeys after there, so it was it was a good moment to have that interaction, especially when they're, they're in the same place together. Yeah, so. That was a very cool reunion. I liked that. Um, this episode was chock full of fucking reunions. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I want to say then that we take a break from Winterfell. Euron is on his ship with Yara. Yara's still, you know, when was she captured? Was she captured in the last episode of the seventh season or before? It was, had to have been before that. I think it was the one before the seventh season. So episode six, I think, of seven. Okay. Of, episodes, of season uh, seven. That's where, like, Theon, right, he, he has the he moment to overboard. save her, yeah, and he reeks out. Of, yeah. I love how that's becoming a term. <laughs> Reeking out. I, I haven't heard that. That's great. Um, um, so, you know, he kind of just tells her, like, basically, you know, I'm going to, we're in King's Landing. Um, she's like, you know, you've picked the losing side on this, in this war. He's like, then I'll just sail back to fucking uh, the Iron Islands. But first I'm going to fuck the queen. His words, not mine. And, um... <laughs> He leaves her on the ship. And so then we move into King's Landing. And he is with the leader of Harry Strickland, I want to say his name. He's the leader of the Golden Army. Yeah. Or Golden Company. 
Gold, yeah, Golden Company, I think. Yeah. yeah. So they're hired mercenaries, and they have about about 20,000 dudes. Cersei's very upset that they did not bring elephants, um, <laughs> which, girl, I understand. Like, if elephants were on the table and you didn't bring fucking elephants, <laughs> even just like, to look at them. I don't even need to ride one into battle. I just want to, like, pet one. Those, like, giants and dragons I, and shit. Like, I really want a fucking elephant to wrap its trunk around me. I, I think that is when I will feel most loved. <laughs> if I could have a fucking elephant truck around me. I think that has just topped my bucket list this moment. Um, yeah. Anyway, I get it. I, I get her frustration. Uh, so, and then Euron is like, look, I want to sleep with you. And she's like, after the war, he's like, I've done all this stuff for you, you know, and you you haven't given me shit. And then she goes to leave and then she looks back at him. And he's like, yeah, and he fucking yeah, know, gets he, to go with her. I I saw, like, you know, I was kind of, I saw all, as the episode was, like, blowing up on Twitter and shit, people were like, yeah, earn her, you know, because Cersei's like, you want, you know, you want a whore, pay for one. You want a queen, earn her. Yeah. Um, and, you know, these people were like, yeah, get it, earn her, earn her, earn your queen, blah, blah, It's like, but then she fucks him. Like, he doesn't earn, you know, like, it's not, you can't yeah. say a cool line like that. And like used to champion these ideals when the person who just said it three minutes later sleeps with the dude. That yeah, make yeah. Sense. She, um, she definitely does not. Have, she definitely. It, it, she's still playing the game by you know. She just wants it for herself. You know, yeah. like she's definitely even like their first interactions with each other. I think she still feels the same way about Euron. Well, what do you think you her know? motivation is to sleep with him? Like, is it that she is she literally has no one else? That could be it, you know. That that could be the way it is. Maybe just to just to be done with it and just have them screw off somewhere else, or um, it could play into the the. Uh, no, I guess that the, that's she supposedly is pregnant already, right? So, right. but she already told that to Jamie, right? I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I don't think anyone else is aware of it. Um, They've but, left a little vague. Yeah, it's left a little vague. Uh, my theory is I think she's not pregnant and she's using it to as a power play, I think. But who knows? Um, That'd be such a weird... I mean, that if would Jamie be, was around, it would kind of make sense. But to like be pretending that when... I, I don't know, man. That would be know. the best way to manipulate Jamie. And that would be, the I think, the turning point for Jamie as far as loving his sister... Um, and that kind of like that that breaks obviously their their trust with each other as far as like she you know now that she has a I guess pregnant you know of course he's gonna be more protective of her yeah and might make decisions so that, that's my thinking on like as far as that's my theory on it but you know she could be pregnant and you know that could change things as far as yeah. you know her being a that actually that could be that could be her you know you know who would want to dethrone this queen or, or kill her if she's pregnant, yeah. you know, but we've seen it done before on the show. So, you know, I, <laughs> I think that you're right, but I think it would work better if she actually was pregnant. I don't think that would work as yeah. well if like the, the dramatics she, of it just would not hold the same weight. If yeah. I was kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so but, there's, then there's one more piece, um, to, uh, to King's Landing and that's Braun in, in Kyburn. That's right. Um, in a in a whorehouse. <laughs> he's in a whorehouse. He's got three ladies. Uh, it was like gratuitous, the most gratuitous nudity and sex we've seen 
on Game of Thrones in a couple of seasons, I want to say. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of it was like a lacking. throwback to the first <laughs> seasons, you know. And um, Bronn's getting busy, and they, they're talking about this uh, redheaded sh- uh, soldier that got his face and eyelids burnt off by a dragon, which the internet is a buzz that Ed Sheeran was like, yeah, it was me. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> but, um, and then Kyburn comes in and he's like, Cersei wants, you know, there's a shit ton of gold outside for you. Cersei wants you basically to kill Jaime and Tyrion and he gives him a crossbow because he, she wants poetic justice and bullshit. Um, what, hey, was that the same crossbow that Tyrion had? That I don't know. I don't think so. It doesn't look like the same one. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, I, um, yeah, that would be cool if it was actually. But, but that's, that's devious, very devious. It is. But now, it's, you know, it's the very obvious, like, will Braun kill the brothers that he made friends with, or will he do follow the money? You know, it's like... Yeah, which is usually what he's... a little simplistic, you know? Yeah. Um, it definitely, but, you know, it definitely... Um, it's, it's weirdly... It, it's unexpected, but also expected at the same time. Because, you know, Braun has... He's always been doing it for the... Yeah, the Cashola. He's definitely built some relationships along the way um, yeah. to his advantage, I would say. So, like, maybe that's why maybe Cersei thought he would be the most um, fitting person for that yeah. because of his kind of thinking and, and whatnot. And of course, he still hasn't really gotten like what he has been promised, you know, like a castle and that kind of shit. And, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that, that was very interesting because now we know, you know, she wants both of them dead. Yeah. Uh, that information is very, that's very heavy information it's right there. If they, if they even found out about that, you know, that, that already shows you that that's already the turning point for Jamie. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, kind of a weird, weird moment. Um, it was, it was funny though when, Quiburn was like, oh, poor girl. Pox will take her within a few months. And yeah. <laughs> like, like which one? Um, <laughs> fuck. Freaking out. Um, all right. So let's see. Then we jump back to fucking Winterfell. Yeah. John and Danny are talking. She's like, your sister has to respect me, but dot, dot, dot. Then the Dothraki ride up. Um, they're like, the dragons aren't eating. John and Danny go to look at the dragons. This is where the episode starts to fall apart for me. Um, <laughs> Danny gets on a dragon. She's like, go on. And Sean's like, I don't know how to ride a dragon. Well, no one knows how to ride a dragon until you ride a dragon. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> John gets on. Where do you hold on? Anywhere. Um, and then they start riding dragons together. And it just, this was a moment that it needed more. It needed maybe one more beat with John and the dragon before this happens. Like he had yeah. the one moment in season seven with the hand sniffing. Yeah. Which yeah. was great. That was a great moment. But you needed one more of those trust building. Yeah. Moments. You're right, dude. Cause um, I mean, she doesn't even know that he has, a, he's a Targaryen too. Right. Right. Which is it's one of the pretty presumptuous big, of her to just to yeah, assume like one. any other dude. I mean, maybe that's, maybe she was, that was just her thinking like, Oh yeah, there's no way this dude's going to get on this dragon. No, I think um, she knew he would, you know, he's brave and shit, but how, how could she expect him to like, actually write it i don't know it was wild yeah um it's like you gotta get your training wheels on you know for a sec you know or at least the first thing is like just flying on it i mean i could imagine john that actually was like man 
you're actually really putting Jon Snow at risk right now. Yeah. <laughs> as far as like having him ride a dragon. Um, and that's where it kind of felt like almost a romantic comedy. It didn't feel like Game of Thrones. And yeah, like they're trying to play that up a little bit. Yeah. The the music in this sequence, when it should have been like when the dragon's going down, 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 straight down, and then comes up, it should have been a sweeping, soaring, you know, kind yeah, of moment. Yeah. And it didn't. It stayed kind of low key and da, 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 yeah. And actually, you know that moment you you mentioned. Um, you, you're right. I, it it could have held a little more like weight to it. And my roommate actually, when, we're, when we watched it together, and um, she was saying that that moment where he it dive like the dragon dives and it was almost like a tr- like a trust fall like yeah in, in okay a, in a way like is that a moment where it's like hey you know you, you can you can sit here shit your pants and and probably fall off me or you can you know go you know go with it and trust me and and so I was like oh you know there's some like kind of cues with the dragon and it's like okay like there is somewhat of a, like a bond that's happening. But you're you're right as far as the setup and kind of getting into that that part. Yeah, it, it was like definitely. Yeah, I, I was looking. I was definitely looking for more of like you know. Actually, I was expecting like him not to be able to ride the dragon at first. Yeah. Because or like to fall a couple times or to have some sort of struggle because you know that. But you know, I guess now that I maybe that we know that he's a dragonborn, that maybe it was just natural to him and yeah. but it's just like i i wanted to see that kind of almost like him earning the trust yeah more there of the to be more of a curve yeah yeah you know daenerys spent you know most of her existence with the dragons you know and you know kind of growing up with them and you know you know uh you know they they have been around her for like the whole series and so there's yeah. that that kind of bond and she didn't ride a dragon until like you know like season I don't six See, five yeah, well, it's very later on in the series, yeah. you know? So that's a huge thing. And um, yeah. yeah, this is, I think, one of two just the biggest moments that deserved almost their own episode. Um, yeah. I think this probably should have been moved to next episode, actually. Um, that just felt very, it just didn't land the way it should have fucking landed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so we get that, and then they park. And uh, in front of this fucking waterfall. And I like that park. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Uh, the fucking... Uh, it's cold here for a southern girl. Oh, they yeah. Keep he's... your queen warm. <laughs> I don't know why I gave her that voice. I'm really sorry. And they just start making out. And then the dragons are looking at him like... Huh, huh, yeah. Like they're watching, you yeah, know. We're watching you. Also, you're related Like the older brothers, you know. It was such a... It's such an odd moment. Like the dialogue was corny. It was so gooey, romantic, and yeah. Ugh. It's like every you know everyone's rooting for like John Snow and Daenerys, right? Like yeah, you know everyone's down with it, but yeah, it, it it gets tough when you have just this like kind of the last couple episodes of the last season, and I guess this new season to kind of book you know kind of book in their uh, their relationship, and I guess what comes of that in yeah. the end. So, um, but you know, I know. As far as like, I, I kind of have to say the same, I guess, with uh, uh, Daenerys and Jon Snow kind of bending the knee to her. Um, you know, he, he knows like, yeah, you have an army, you have dragons, you know, you seem to be the rightful heir as far as, you know, the claim to the throne as of right, as of like the previous season. But um, 
you know, I just felt like, I still feel like, yeah, they, I wish they had more time with them just to kind of develop. If, if as far as the gooiness and, or, and the kind of rom- romantic, you know, parts of that, like they would hold more weight, very similar. I, you know, I think, you know, I, I guess we'll have to compare it, but you know, Jon Snow and, um, and Ingrid, like their whole thing, you know, of course it was the enemy, you know, the, but they spent every scene together, trapped together, pissing yeah. each other off, learning they each learn, other. Learn each other, know? yeah. Yeah. They they had that amount that amount of time and it felt more authentic to, to for that Absolutely. relationship. And it, of course, you know, it obviously was uh, a thing about um choosing sides too, right? You know, she was on the wilding side and yeah. you know, so there was that con- conflict of, you know, interest in there and, and um, so it did have like other things pulling, you know, tugging at it as far as like it wasn't always all positive and, and whatnot. So, um, so that I mean, yeah, that's one one of my kind of critiques about like the whole Daenerys Jon Snow thing. Yeah, it's it doesn't like, feel man, earned. It, yeah, it could have been, you know, they could have had a couple more episodes, maybe even the, in the last season to kind of, you know, have that, you know, kind of come come to be. But who knows? Who knows, man? I mean, now, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the big reveal, I guess, at the end. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I'm trying to remember what else happened. So we haven't talked. John and Arya meet, which was another huge reunion. Oh my god! I cried a little bit. I, that was that lie. was one of my favorite moments in the season or it in that episode. Great. Sorry. No, technically the season. You're right. Um, <laughs> but uh, then, but it ends with Arya just being like, "Sansa's the smartest person I know." Like you're a fucking idiot. Don't forget who your. It was such a mafia line. Don't forget who your family is. She didn't say that. She, you know, don't forget it or some bullshit like that. But it was very, you know, don't yeah. ever go against the family again, Sonny. You know, it's uh, oh, man. It, it, you know what? Like I always have to parallel it to like the Stark family and the the you know the House of Wolves and like the Pact, right? Like. Mm-hmm. They've been separated for so long throughout this series, and now they're finally together, and and it's almost like this sense of like we are a pact, like we should never be separated, no matter who comes, you know, in between us. Yeah. And you know, of course, Ari's a totally you know different person now, as as far as and, but you know, of course, the choice she made to return to Winterfell and to go back to her family and. And and of course the you know ex- the expectation of seeing her other her family members there, um, you know I'm glad that that happened to her character because she was kind of going off the deep end a little bit, and you know it almost still brings that sense of of um, humanity and and um, of course yeah uh, uh, she's still a person who has a connection to her family and who still cares about them very dearly. Um, so I, I'm glad that that moment happened, um, where they were, got together and, you know, they hugged and, um, yeah, it's such a, and of course, you know, Winterfell and, and the snow and just like, you know, they, they're all remembering where they grew up and their, you know, relationships and how they started from there. So it was such a beautiful moment. It was um, nice. Um, let's see. I know who we know who we got to talk about. Samwell Tarley. Oh, man. I, you know what? Fuck it. Hold on. Before we get to Sam. Okay. Since we were talking about Arya, she also has another reunion. Two more reunions in the same fucking scene. Scene. Um, Arya, the hound, first, right? Um, they're like in the blacksmith area. 
Yeah, the right. hound is talking shit to Gendry. She tells him to knock it off. They kind of banter a little bit. You know, you're a, you're a cold bitch. I guess that's why you, you've survived. You know, and, <laughs> um, you left me for dead. I robbed you first. Um, it was a, it was a sweet little moment. Um, I almost wanted a little more sentimentality from the both of them, but I guess that just doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, and then she asked Gendry to make her a weapon, and they flirt. Did you pick up on this? They were flirting fucking yeah. hard with each other. And they did, they, she did that, like, look, the look back when they exit yeah. their conversation. So I was like, oh, okay, like, okay, that's happening. Yeah. Um, which which right. my brain and theories, and because he's still a Baratheon. Uh, or, oh, uh, good call. Yeah, Bra- yeah Baratheon. Yeah, he's bastard. So he is still has royal blood in him in, in a way. So like I know there's like a bunch of theories going around that you know he could possibly still take the, the throne. He still has a claim to the throne in a way. Um, but yeah, that moment was kind of interesting. And you know what, I I did like it because it's like they they spent some time together in like the earlier seasons, and you know they they were kind of surviving together. Um, and now they're in this moment where like you know they've gone through their journeys, and you know he's obviously helping out the cause and making, you know, weapons and, you know, she's back in Winterfell. So it was, it was a good moment. And also it kind of still humanizes like Arya. It's like this whole time, her, her moment, her thoughts have been about revenge and killing and, you know, putting on those many faces and everything. And it's great. We, We had a moment where it's like, yeah, she's still, you know, she's still a lady and she's still, you know, and it makes you think, like, so if she survives this whole thing and she kills everyone on her list, let's just say, then what? You know, what's yeah? What's her life going to be after? Is she going to, you know, continue being an assassin, or is she going to, you know, um, find you know interest in in someone like you know the Baratheon? And, uh, so who knows? Um, but I did like that. It, it definitely like kind of, especially for her being home, and you, you, at the moment, I definitely loved. Arya's storyline as assassin and it's super badass, but like, yeah, she's definitely she almost lost herself as far as like mm-hmm. her she her main focus was just killing, and it's good we get those small little moments where it's like she's home, she's appreciative of the fam her family, it you know it still kind of human humanizes her in a way, yeah, um, but yeah, dude, and then Sir Cl- Clegane, freaking the Hound, fucking great. Moment. Which I love. It's like he still kind of shrugs, like his usual kind of like, like yeah. oh, well, I forgot what yeah. he says, but he's like, oh yeah, you survived, or like you know, yeah. I knew you, I knew you're gonna be alive, or some shit like that. Like he kind of brushes it off, which is funny because like th- that could have been a very tense moment for them, and it yeah. was at at, the, at when you first see them, but like it's just like okay, ultimately like, they're happy to see each other. They're happy to see each other. Cool. They're it's alive. Cool. You know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, you know what? I'm going to save Sam for last because I think that should be last. Um, real quick. Um, uh, Tormin and uh, the survivors of the wall run into Ed. Um, oh, yeah. Dolores right. Ed, and they come up, and their uh, little Umber, the little shitty actor, um, is like nailed to the wall with a bunch of hands in that. Mosaic Weird spiral, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it, a very it was a Sam Raimi fucking moment, dude. This was straight out of Evil Dead 2, dude. He fucking yeah. starts laughing, but it like it laughed a little too long, <laughs> and before it burst into flames, you know, like it was very it almost played comically. And I know that's not what they were going for, um, <laughs> but it was still a really badass moment, badass visuals. Um, it was a little Scooby Doo. 
The way they were like, sneaking. yeah, they're like looking through and it's like, yeah. who, you know, who's gonna be it's there? Like, come we'll on, see. come on. It, um, it, it makes me wonder: Is there any significance with those symbols? Because we've seen them a couple times. Yeah, we've seen them. And you know, I, it's obviously the symbols that the the Night King and the White Walker like. That's kind of the uh, surrounding those kind of characters and the first yeah. men or whatever, the children or whatever. It children. will be interesting to see if it, if it adds up to something greater. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, it it is kind of a right now. I'm thinking it's like their calling card <laughs> in Feels a way. Like it. But like I, I don't know. I feel like there's something. If they've put it so many times in the show, there's got to be something to it. Yeah. There, there has to be some sort of something um, behind it. So who knows? Possibly. We'll, maybe we'll, they're just we'll find artists. Out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like, don't look. For, don't look at the meaning. Just let let it make. See how it makes you feel. Let it, let um, it come out. Let's see. So uh, Theon and Yara. Theon saves Yara, which uh, I felt a little quick to me. Like, yeah. Why did you even have Yara get captured? Nothing happened to her while she was captured. Yeah. Um, yeah. But whatever. Then she tells him, "Go fight for the Starks. I'll go and defend the Iron Islands and take it back and everything." It was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. It just felt a little quick. Yeah. Um, I kind of knew he was gonna like. Yeah. It it was kind of like what we're saying with um like Daenerys and John. Like I felt like that could have been a second episode. Like. You know, milk yeah. that time a little bit, but I know we're in a time crunch, and um, I'm glad that Theon is still on that redemption kind of route where he's like, you know what, I, you know, I, I'm obviously, you know, I've been broken down, and you know, I my mentally and physically, and I just, you know, there's there's the part of Reek as far as that kind of what happened to him will never leave him. I feel. No. But you know he he's still he's still slowly kind of owning up to as far as like well Yaros his family, and you know he's already let her down so many times and um, this opportune moment where she's you know unfortunately not well guarded I mean I mean she, he did bring a couple people with him but <laughs> it's like man if you're if this is like the queen of the Iron Islands or she claims to be you know it's like fuck you know you got to be like on that as far as protecting her <laughs> um, yeah. or guarding her but. Um, yeah, it, it was a good moment, at least, to see that. And then, of course, she, what, headbutts him, right? She's yeah, like, headbutts him. There's that moment where he's on the ground, and he looks up at her, and she puts her hand out and is like, you know, that acceptance of, like, let's, you know, we, we, we're still in this. We're, you know, I forgive yeah. you in, in some way or form. Yeah. And, um, and then Theon, of course, returning to the Starks, to Winterfell, to, you know, of course, this another redemption round, you know, claiming that he killed the two Stark boys, which he even didn't. But also, you know, kind of betraying the Stark family and oh, big time. You know, his friend Rob. You know, you know Rob Stark, and you know, I, I think this is it's very fitting and I'm not saying poetic, but like for his story arc, it, it makes sense that he would go back. Symmetry, symmetrical. Yeah, and yeah. you know, he's obviously fucked up with his sister and his kind of redemption and forgiveness with her. So I think he immediately was like, you know what, I've been, th- I bet you he's been thinking about it this whole, whole time. Oh yeah, of like of where you know what's happening with the Starks and where they're at. So, I think that's very um, a very important moment. So, I'm glad yeah. that's happening. Me, too. Um, and then right before we get to the final talk, I just want to point out Gwendolyn Christie was not in this episode. I know it's a little sad. Which I, I you know, mean, I love her character. I love her too. But her and her and Pod, they'll be back. I'm sure pretty soon. Um, now let's talk about Sam. 
Um, For absolutely no fucking reason, Daenerys and Jorah uh, track down Sam. No, it's not true. Not for no reason. Uh, They're going to... Daenerys wants to thank Sam for saving Jorah and all that. Um, And then, uh, you know, anything you want. I'd like a pot in for the books I stole, and I stole my father's sword. Who's your father? Randall Tarly. (gasps) Oh! Uh, So, okay. I didn't... uh, It all felt... So contrived, this whole fucking scene. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, well, at least my brother's in charge. Ugh. Like, <laughs> really? Really? Um, you're going to play it that way? Um, so, you know, but Samwell, the dude playing Sam, does a beautiful job of going through those emotions of learning that his, you know, father and brother have been killed and the blood, you know, he holds his tear, you know, he holds everything that he can back until he can, if you'll excuse me, my queen. Did did you notice that, you know, obviously he didn't have a very strong relationship with his dad, right? Yeah. So he, he obviously kind of in that moment mourned his dad, but when he heard about his brother, he, he I felt like he he had more emotion behind, Mm, you know, of course with his brother. So I, I thought that was a very interesting you know, moment for his character, and you know, of course, on finding that out, I was I was just thinking about that moment when I rewatched yeah. the seventh season, and I was like, man, that is probably going to happen because they're probably going to cross paths somehow, mm-hmm. and that news or something. And and, and it's the funny thing is, he's been in the Citadel for like most of that season in the last season, I think. Yeah, until he came back to Winterfell, so it's like he hasn't really known about all this stuff until you know he, this is the first time he's hearing about it. So, um, but yeah, you're, you're kind of right, man. It's, it's such a, it's like, oh man, all these things are just information, information. It's like, oh yeah. And then he runs outside and Bran who, oh, I forgot to mention in the first part of the episode goes, you know, they're saying, oh my Lord, my lady, there's no time for that. The dragon (laughs) knocked down the wall. He's got your dragon, which Daenerys barely fucking reacted to. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. So Sam comes out. And there's Bran just staring at him. And he goes, it's time. It's time to tell John Why? Because the script dictates that it's time. Um, like, that's really the only fucking reason it was time. Like, why in that <laughs> moment, right? Yeah. So, yeah. John's in the crypt. Sam goes there. And now Sam is also all pissed off and sad. Rightfully yeah. so. <laughs> um, and first lays into John about Daenerys. Did you know that she killed you? Then, oh, yeah. You're Aegon Targaryen. And this moment should have been the fucking moment. Yeah, very Barely true. anything. I mean, not barely anything. It was still good, but it should have been as great as that cut, you know, between baby John to John and them going, King of the North. King. Oh, it should yeah. have had that fucking that. impact, and it didn't. Yeah. And um, that's really frustrating. It's yeah. really fucking frustrating. I, I agree, man. Like, yeah, it could have been. I mean, yeah, this is one of the biggest reveals of. I mean, this changes. I know we, we as an audience, were led there before. I guess this episode, in but some since the form. episode one, John has wanted to know who his mom is. Mom and yeah, yeah, that's a huge moment. It's. I, mean, I the only thing I could think of, and, and maybe it's just because of. You know, he died and came back, and you, you know, you, you, there's like pieces of you that you know always are. Like, I forgot uh, what's his name, the one of the Brotherhood guys who, who yeah, the guy who's yeah. been brought up together, you know, like eight or nine times, or has been uh, brought yeah. back from the dead. So, like, I guess my only thinking behind it's like maybe he's just like 
you know, obviously the eminent threat of the White Walkers, and that's like what that's all that's on his mind. Through, I mean, he's like preaching to the choirs about like how we're all fucked, pretty much. He and, was, you know, and then he's joyriding with Danny. Like it's it's very inconsistent yeah, at this point. Yeah, and so I, I guess my only thought would be like maybe you know emotionally he's just not like there anymore. But it's like, yeah, he's falling in love with fucking Daenerys. So yeah, no, I um, think he's, I think he's there. I just, I just think it was sloppy writing. Yeah, direction. yeah. Um, um, I mean, he, I, I guess that you know that obviously changes, you know, how he's going to kind of move forward, and yeah. you know, does he keep that information to himself? Does you know, is he, you know, I think he said it's, it's treason, right? You know that. You yeah, know, yeah. If I go against the queen now. So now it's it's hindering his relationship with Daenerys, and you know, will he tell her? Is that you know something that it's too honorable course, not to? Yeah, and then I guess that makes her his aunt, right? Is that correct? It, that's that's what it makes it. So um, there's a kind of conflict of uh, interest there. Quite, quite, quite. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this moment that should have knocked him back on his ass didn't really. Um, yeah, and it should have knocked all of us on her fucking ass and it didn't it's unfortunate um so then let's see then we've got uh jamie getting to king's landing and fucking oh yeah huh? that was taking like off last. his hood and then he looks and there's brand staring at him <laughs> like staring at everyone <laughs> brand is so fucking i no like this no it's should have given weird. that kid some other thing to do um yeah, I it's mean it's very it, off-putting. It, yeah, it's and I know it's supposed strange. to be, but come on, <laughs> figure it the fuck out. Um, no, I agree, man. It's it yeah. is definitely a strange uh, thing that's going on with him. But uh, that's the only thing that I was like, you know what, man? It, it it I I know it's like this specific role he's trying to do, and he of course he's like he's seeing every past present kind of future moment so like mm-hmm. i can see how that would affect someone as far as having that a, a power and ability um and that was the only kind of sad thing i i was like man all these all the starks are back home and they're reuniting and you know bran isn't really there like yeah. to appreciate that and you know and but you know it's weird because he's he's able to see their pathways and like where they've been actually that, that was the moment um sorry to go back but when he sees uh, Arya and, you know, he kind of tells her, oh, like, yeah, she's been, I think, putting on, like, the faces or or she's been in Bravos or, like, so, like, it, it already cues in, like, wow, like, this is kind of serious. Like, he knows where I've been and, you know, kind of brings a little bit more weight to the to the brand character as far as, like, he has some vital information. But I just, it sucks because, like, he's kind of like the dude who just has all the vital information. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's a weird... Uh, it'll flesh out this season. We'll see what the fuck. I I, I hope it's, so. It's, yeah. yeah, there there've been you know of course this theory is like oh he can warg so that means he could possibly warg into one of the dragons, and yeah. I I still I kind of am on that theory because uh, there was a line and it was like I don't know it was like super early on, maybe like when obviously after he was paralyzed or you know from the I think he was. Man, who is he talking to? Maybe it was when he first talks to the Raven, I think, or maybe even earlier. Not even. I, I think have earlier. No than idea that. where you're going with this. Okay, so there's a moment. Uh, I cannot remember what season or whatever, but Bran has an interaction with someone and he's talking, 
and he goes, "Why ever?" I think he's talking with the the uh, the just, just spin it out. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to remember who it is because it like, doesn't matter. Well, you know, I think the legitimacy of who's telling him this stuff could matter towards the final outcome. So the line is, "You'll never walk again, but you'll fly." Oh, that is the line. The fucking kid, Jojen. Jojen. Yeah, I, I can't remember, dude. Jojen Reed. Well, that's the fucking line, and I'm, I might line. be reading way too too into it, but I still believe it could possibly happen because that dude can warg. So why don't you fucking warg into a dead dragon? Why oh, not? That could be sick. So that's That'd my big crazy. three on Bran, and, and maybe Fuck. that could be his turning point as far as like breaking this three-eyed raven trippy acid trip and just like actual do do something. Cause yeah, that, yeah. that that is the thing too. He he's playing the he's on the sidelines. He's playing the like this could happen. This you know he's kind of giving us information and, and and what what not. But like I feel like in order for this battle to be won, I feel like all the Starks have to be kind of involved in some way or form. So maybe that might be his opportunity. And maybe maybe the Starks and his brothers and sisters might be fed up with him just not really being there. You know what I mean? Like, will that interaction happen where it's like, wait, Bran, what the hell are you doing? You're just sitting here telling us all these visions and he's, some of them have... Con- he's handicapped. They're not going to get mad at him for not doing anything. Yeah, but I mean, it, just the reaction that Sansa gets, right? I'm the three-eyed raven and like, you know, what does this mean? Like, what's all this up? You know, but he's proved to them that he has those visions and some of them have come true. And, you know, it's, you know, th- there is a sense of, uh, uh, val- validity, validity. I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I do hope Bran has a bigger role to play, especially for how far they've taken him in the series. And of course now this last scene of, of him and his interactions with Jamie Lannister, you know, he, he now could probably see Jamie Lannister's fate, um, yeah. and see where that's going to go. So I, I want, I'm curious to see that interaction they have in, in the, uh, and hopefully in the next episode that starts off with that. But yeah, fun. who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I just don't know. All right. Well, that, that wraps it up for uh, throne zone 8.1. Throne zone. Um, we're going to be recapping every episode. This is, I'm not going to, this we're, I think we're coming up on two hours right now. So maybe while during this, we were talking about how we should have a top five Game of Thrones related thing every episode in addition to our, maybe we should, for this stretch here, it should just be one list and throne talk. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because we can talk thrones all day. So you come up with the top five for next week. I'll come for up next with week. the one after that. Yeah. You know. Okay. So, yeah. all right. All right, cool. So we did locations. I'm expecting something very fun next week. Oh, it doesn't have to be that. fun. It could be very dark and disturbing. I got I you. Care. <laughs> I don't care. Um, quickly, Seanathan, uh, do you have anything you'd like to share with our imaginary audience this week, my friend? Uh, man, nothing much really, dude. I, I've just been Game of Thrones. That's all I can think of. Uh, so check it out, guys. Uh, it's going to be, you know, every Sunday we're going to be watching it. Um, you know, check out. I, we've done some past reviews of, of Game of Thrones and our, I think our favorite episodes um, yes. Favorite uh, deaths, and so we have a bunch of actually Game of Thrones topics we've talked about on this sh- on this on our show over the, the last couple of years. So um, it's been, a, I think, a, a very connected part of our show. I feel so. I guess taking the time just to just to see if you guys want to check out some of our past episodes, 
and and um, you know, kind of get in the Game of Thrones mood. I'm I'm definitely in the mood <laughs> for Thrones. Uh, very good, very good. Uh, Joe, do you have anything say, to share this week too? Yes, I will just say that uh, if you're, you know, watching Game of Thrones, make sure to follow it up with Barry and Veep. Um, last night was one of the best nights of television I can fucking remember. It was so great. Um, Game of Thrones was great and then good, um, but both Barry and Veep had two of their best episodes of all time too. So it was a fucking glorious night of television. I was very excited. Um, so, check out those two shows if you're not checking them out already. Um, yeah. I've been watching Barry. It's been very, very good. I didn't watch this. I didn't watch the latest episode, so I'll, I'll definitely, it's we'll definitely so have to good. talk about that show, dude, on the on the uh, on the podcast. Because oh yeah, we can talk it, about HBO Sunday nights, man. Shit. Yeah, it's becoming yeah. a. I've been I've been really liking that show. So I. It's and, excellent. You know, Bill, the, Bill Hader is excellent. He's so oh, dude. Good. He's, and you know, yeah, it's it's television Sunday night television, man. I think that's why I'm so excited. It's just like getting excited for. Just like when we watch movies when we were kids or television shows when we were kids, like just that sense of, uh, you know, curiosity and wait, you know, we're waiting for the next, you know, what the, how the story is going to continue and, and play yeah. out. And, you know, I feel like a kid again, just like waiting every week and the anticipation, the, you know, the discussions and talking and, oh my gosh. It, it, it is the experience. It has, it has been. So, yeah. um, right on. Yeah. Elliot. Jonathan, where yeah. can we find more of your work on the internet this week, my friend? Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at Sean Day Music and on my website, SeanDayMusic.net. Uh, Joe, where can we find your work? You uh, can check me out on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Joey Parati and also on my website, JoeyParatiScripts.com. You can check out the show at Top5Pod, that's T-O-P-F-I-V-E 5-P-O-D, on Instagram, on Twitter at gmail.com, and on Facebook at Top5Podcast. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes Music, and uh, Google Play. So please give us a like, give us a listen, give us a follow, give us your love, and we will give you something close to it. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Joey Ferrari. And I'm Sean Day. Thanks for...